Won't it be wonderful when Black history and Native American history and Jewish history and all of U.S. history is taught from one book, just U.S. history? That is a quote by Maya Angelou. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello. Welcome to episode 122. Before we get into the details of this week's episode, I would just like to share with you that I have been selected as one of the international speakers to be on the stage speaking as part of Sean Fair's Leadership Experience Tour 2021. It's taking place on April 10th in Troy, Michigan, and it's going to be fire. You're going to have speakers from all around the world that are going to educate, inspire, and empower you. Now, even though we're in a pandemic and the speakers will be at the venue, you have an opportunity to also be able to hear the powerful speakers that will be on the stage. So please go to bit.ly forward slash L-E-T 2021 to get your virtual ticket. And again, that's for April 10th for the Leadership Experience Tour. Now let's get into this week's episode. The topic of this week's episode is You Throw Like a Girl. My guest this week is Eva Janata. Eva helps North America's most recognized entrepreneurs in the Women Helping Women economy stand out online. She uses thought leadership, marketing, and social media strategy to help women be heard, sought after, and hired. Prior to starting her business, Eva worked in corporate communications. Hi, Eva. Welcome to Trina Talk. Thank you, Trina. It's good to be here. It is good to finally connect with you and speak with you. I know we've been chatting back and forth on LinkedIn and um, just being connected, but I'm glad to speak with you. And we're going to just dive right in because I love what you're doing. You are a woman that is out to help other women. And yes. how I always start out is I want you to tell the listeners who Eva is and what made you, what brought you to the place where you are today. Yeah. So when you, when I hear that question, the first thing I think of is uh, a memory from when I was about five and I was out in the yard playing with my neighbors. I grew up in Maryland and we were outside in the yard and we were playing football and my neighbor from across the street, a little boy, I threw the football and he said to me, you throw like a girl. And you know, that's like on, on its surface, just a statement of fact, right? Like I am a girl. That's the only way for me to throw. But I could tell from his tone of voice that he wasn't just stating a neutral fact or, or certainly not paying me a compliment. I could tell that he was 
that he thought there was something wrong with the way I was throwing this football. And that's the first time I remember getting the sense that there was something somehow lacking about me because of my gender identity. And just about everybody I've ever spoken with has some sort of memory like this where they were little and they had an experience that made them think there was something amiss about them. And it wasn't for many years that I started to understand why why that comment from my neighbor had an impact and why why the, the world that we live in is set up in a way where some identities have an easier time of things than other identities and might be more generally accepted and have a, have a more straightforward path to what they want to achieve in their lives. And so, you know, I kind of had all of this swimming in my mind and I about six years ago uh, started my business and at first, you know, didn't really know what I was doing. I actually started my business because my corporate job kind of imploded and I needed to do something different pretty quickly. But it was through, you know, kind of this nonlinear path in my business where I started doing some marketing consulting and some social media support. And I, I gradually wended my way to this wanting to really help women bring their voices to the forefront and to express themselves and the impact they're having with their work to a greater audience. And it, when I think about why that matters to me, why I want to amplify the voices of other women, I think back to that moment when I was little and I had a football and what that felt like. And I want, that is so, it's so motivating to me to, because I know all women and all people have experiences like that. And I want to help them bring their full self and their full voice and their fullness to a greater audience, even though we all have those kinds of memories. Mm. That is juicy. Very <laughs> juicy. Love it. Love it. So how are you showing up and helping other women? Yes. So what I, so my way of doing that is through thought leadership content and content marketing and messaging. And so there's, you know, there's some storytelling involved in that. There's helping women with marketing their thought leadership. So they have a message they want to bring or a bold opinion they want to share. And they work with me to, to make that happen. But it's really, you know, I was chatting with a, my coach, my business coach recently about, about what this is and why. And if there's something about, you know, we all have, of course, our own unique experiences and stories, and we're all able to make a unique set of connections from our experiences and what we've learned and what we've seen. And these connections and these stories can really help people. I mean, you think about like the leaders that you're most drawn to, maybe your favorite TED Talks or your favorite speakers or authors or podcasters. And what I find they have in common is they're, they're really good, they're really compelling storytellers. They've got a warmth to them or a familiarity to them, or maybe they're really emotionally open and that's what draws you in. But it's kind of helping women figure out what that is for them, what their message in their voice, what makes it unmistakably theirs and helping them get that out from 
between their ears and into the world. Mm. That's powerful because as you're speaking, I'm thinking about myself and it's taken me a while to get my message out. And it, it, it is, you do need someone to help you because you know, you have something to contribute and you have so many things that you are skilled in and you're like, okay, how do I do it? How do I put it out so that it's valuable to someone else? So yes, I can just see the benefit of working with you because I think it's something that we all strive for, not only women, but the fact that you are going out there helping women because, and you're, you're a marketing specialist, I'm not, but I'm pretty sure you know that the voice, the, when I say voice, I don't mean voice from a person, so to speak, but I mean, just the, the, the narrative out there is Mm -hmm. like you were saying, the, you know, is male dominated. It's strong. It's. Um, geared to the male or, or yeah, if you, if you act this way, you're great. If you don't act this way, you know, it's like you said, right. like the throwing like a girl type of comment. Right. Yeah. And I think that there is, you know, sometimes I, I, I look back kind of like, at, you know, the past several thousand years of history and men have been pretty much running the show that whole time. And I think there it's, it's incumbent and imperative that we change that and that we bring equal, at at the minimum, equal representation of women in all sectors. And part of that is, or critical to that is our voices, you know, equal representation of women's voices in business books, in um, leadership podcasts, running companies in politics. I mean, there are so many opportunities where women's voices need to be heard. And it yeah, for exactly the reason you said, just to to even the scales for the first time in, in recorded history, basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw something out for you a little far more, a little deeper. And I don't know if you've thought of this, and I'm pretty sure you have. But in your work with dealing with women, what are you finding the discrepancies are between the different women? So black women, white women, Asian women, because me being a woman in tech, not only is there a disparity as far as women are concerned, but there's also a disparity among black and Latina women. So what are you finding when you're helping these other women find their voices? Yeah, you know, it's, it's complicated because on the one hand, so, so the story I shared about throwing a football with my neighbor, you know, no matter your gender identity, all humans have experiences where they felt like, like they weren't enough, whether it was because of their gender or their race or how much money they had or whatever, whatever their experience was. And so I think on the one hand, you know, all of us have different intersecting identities. And regardless of those, I think on the one hand, we all have in common the human experience of not always being sure of ourselves and not always feeling worthy of having a full, using our full voice and sharing our message unabashedly and just being really proud of everything about us. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, the reality is that your intersecting identities have a very real impact on where it's safe for you to show up and what kind of feedback you get when you do show up as your fullest self. 
And it, I think that it's really important to give, you know, when I work with my clients, one of the things that comes up a lot is just having a lot of giving yourself a lot of compassion for when you feel uncertain or nervous about bringing your full many identity and identified self to whatever your industry is, or the kind of uh, opinion you want to share. You got, it's really important to be so kind and patient with yourself and to understand why being your full self can feel so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I, and, or I should say, in addition to that, you know, one of the commitments I have in my company and in the work we deliver to our clients is a really uh, adamant commitment to amplifying melanated voices. Mm-hmm. Because yes, there's underrepresentation of women across many boards, but that's ever even more urgent when it comes to women of color. And I think it is, we all have a responsibility, white people in particular, to go an extra mile when it comes to making sure those voices are heard and that we're using the perhaps easier access we sometimes have to certain spaces or in certain industries to amplify those voices even more. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you said that. And I wasn't planning on going that route, but since you brought it up, it kind of leads me to this point here. And that is with helping women. And like you said, Uh you have made a conscious effort to help women of color. When you are dealing with the different women, because you know, as well as I know that me saying something and showing up as my full self and maybe giving an opinion or my thought or something would not be received the same as if you did it. Right. So what, how are you dealing with that? And have you dealt with that with your personal clients? Yeah. So I think the answer to the second question, have I dealt with that with my personal clients is so far that hasn't come up. And I think it's because my, I, so for example, I haven't worked with a woman of color in tech. And I know that has its own unique set of, it's its its own situation, right? Like every context has its own quirkiness to it. Mm -hmm. And my clients tend to be very well respected in their, in their realms. And, and really they've kind of already established a place for themselves there. And so their audience kind of, they already have a kind of a relationship with their audience But I would suspect that as my business grows, as I start to serve women and women of color in different sectors, and as I help them to grow their audience and their platform, that that very well may come up. And what I think it's important for me to do as a white woman and for any white person who's providing a service to a person of color is to to remember that we might be an expert in the kind of service we're providing, but we are not an expert in being a person of color. And we have to follow the lead of our clients in that way. And I mean, just in so many different areas, it's so important that we never gaslight our clients of color. It's so important that we believe 
everything they share with us and give that the respect that it's due. And that we are always coming to our relationships with from a place of curiosity and openness to understand what it's like to receive for them to receive feedback because of the color of their skin or the kind of hairstyle they have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad to hear you say that. And you're taking that conscious stance to do those things. And I think the current climate that we're in, in now, a lot of people are doing that. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had an interview with um, a white male who owned a company and he was saying the same things that mm. being a white male of privilege that now he wanted to help people of color because he knew how it wasn't an evil uh, equal playing ground. Um, right. So it's, it's very, um, it always warms my heart when people get it, you know, get it <laughs> yeah. and, and see, because there's so many people out there who don't, and who are still saying, you know, you know, whatever. Um, I don't, I see, don't the see color, for example. Right. Exactly. And we, we both know. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> not possible. Right. That's not possible. Um, and the whole thing of, you know, well, you know, why don't you just comply and, and pull out your ID and give them, well, why do I have to pull out my ID for just driving down the road and no one else does? So right. that whole thing, and, and I'm not going to spin this to that because that's not where I wanted this conversation to go. But it seems like you are very in tune with this. Now, I always like to ask people, what has your journey been? Because People who don't really fully understand what it's like to be a leader, an entrepreneur, a business owner, they may look at you or listen to you and say, oh, they had it easy or she, you know, had help, whatever. But we all have a path that led us to where we are. And what was yours to really make you hone in and say, this is what I want to do? Well, that's, there's a couple of things. One of them is, is you make a good point, Trina, you know, with where it's easy to kind of see someone, see their kind of internet side and and think, oh, well, they, they got lucky or, well, they had, they had this kind of opportunity and I don't. And I catch myself having those kinds of thoughts about others sometimes. And so, and it's interesting because the first couple of years I was in business, I had very much like drank the Kool-Aid of kind of American rugged individualism. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I have to do everything myself and I'm going to download every free PDF and DIY this thing to death. (laughs) And I really held my own progress back for the first, I would say three or four years I was in business because I didn't ask for help. Mm -hmm. And what's hilarious to me now is I think about how nothing, nothing in my life can I attribute to only my own efforts? I mean, the coffee that I drink, the water that I drink, my cell phone, my computer, like everything was built with many, many people's hands. And when I think about just anything in my life, I realize I'm always relying on the support of others. And I think that it's a strength to recognize that. And to now what I try to do very intentionally is seek out coaching, um, mental health support if I need it, um, fitness support even to help me stay physically well, uh, being more open about what I'm struggling with. And 
so anyway, that the comment you made really made me think of that. But to answer your question more directly, I, I had, a, when I finished college, uh, I got my undergraduate degree and I, and I got a job right away that I really, really loved. It was a, I worked for a, an environmentally focused corporation and I loved that job. But the truth is that I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't very good at it or else maybe it just, maybe a kinder way or more, um, uh, a realistic way to say that is it wasn't the right fit for me mm-hmm. because I, I had a lot of performance challenges and I, I didn't really know how to, to, to like manage up to my, my manager and she and I had some conflict and things. I mentioned earlier that things kind of imploded for me with that job. And at the time I was in my mid twenties and I like, you know, didn't have a mortgage, didn't even have a pet. It was a very, it was a very low risk time for me to take a risk, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say. So I thought like, what the heck I'm going to try starting a business, which I think now that if I'd known how hard it would, like, it's a good thing. I didn't know how hard it would be, or I wouldn't have done it Mm -hmm. because I didn't really have a plan. I I'd never taken a business class. I wasn't, I wasn't at all educated about what I was taking on. And frankly, I think that's a blessing. Like sometimes ignorance is, is a really is like makes you powerful, mm-hmm. sometimes not in a good way. But in this case, it was um, like not knowing what I was getting into made me get into it. And like I said before, you know, I started by kind of doing what I knew how to do. So I knew how to use social media. I, I've always been a very, I love making new friends. I love connecting with people. So I'm a very natural networker. So I would go to events and meet people and talk to them and follow up. And I kind of slowly but surely built a little clientele for myself doing social media support. But I realized pretty quickly that social media alone doesn't usually deliver great results for lead generation or building a clientele. It's just by itself, not enough. And so I pivoted over the years and come to understand that what really lights me up is helping women entrepreneurs like and women leaders of all stripes really kind of birth their message into the world and help them help kind of draw that creativity out of them and draw out their unique voice because you know maybe you found this to be true Trina when you were writing your book I'd love to hear more about that process um because I know you really opened up a lot in your book Mm -hmm. and what I find with my clients and with myself is that it can be it's just so much easier to do that when you have a partner and it's just not, it's not like just you and your computer screen or you and your notebook, but it's you in conversation with someone who's help, who's asking you questions and um, asking you for memories or making you think about things in a different way. And I love doing that for my clients because of the stories that come out and how the way their, the way their expertise comes out. I mean, they, they say and, and view things the way I never would think to. And so once we kind of go through that, that creative and birthing process together, then, you know, I, I bring in the social media tools that I, that I know well, and we, we use those among other tools to help them amplify this brilliant, bold opinion they have. But it's that, it's that relationship of, of co-creating this piece, this work with them that I really, really love. Mm-hmm. And you're right. And I, I had a coach when I was writing my book, 
to do exactly uh, what you were saying is asking me those questions like, well, what about this? And how did you feel about that? And it did. It made me think from a perspective that I had never thought about things before. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this is how I can bring this story out. This is how I can say it. This is how I can open up about it. And because otherwise I probably would have never had looked at things in my life the way I did as far as a something of value to put in a book that someone else may read and, and get impact from. Wow. And, and sure enough, like, I mean, I know you've had some really glowing reviews of your book and people who have reached out to you and like told you, I mean, if something, if a piece, if a work moves someone so much that they t make the effort to contact the author, I mean, that's really powerful stuff. No. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I've had several people to contact me and, and it does, it feels good because as you stated, I was very vulnerable in that book. And I ended up putting things in the book that I had no plans on putting in the book. But, wow, how interesting. Yeah, but I thought, you know, this is my story. And because mm. for a long time, I was ashamed of my story. I was ashamed of my mm. story. I was guilty. And I finally got to a place where I said, you know what, I'm going to put this in the book. And who it's for, they're going to read it and they're going to get impact out of it. Who it's not for, they're not going to read it. So it doesn't really matter. And I had to oh. think of it from that perspective. You make so many good points there, Trina. I want to just highlight a couple of them. One of them is the idea that you're not for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I find that that's where a lot of the women leaders that I work with can sometimes feel held back is they they don't want to upset people. They don't want to turn anybody off. They don't want to have anyone disagree with them because it's uncomfortable. And that's very understandable and normal. But the thing that I remind them and myself is just what you said, like it's going to attract the right people and repel the wrong ones. And that is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And it's and, it's very hard though. It's very hard to get to that point mm -hmm. where you are fine with that because you do, you want totally. people to like you. You want to be the best and have people to like you. But the truth of the matter is, it's not going to happen. And you could be the person who does everything right. And it's still not going to happen that way. Right. Like you can't win that battle, right? It's just, it's, it's just a lost cause. And, you know, you've probably, everyone listening has probably heard the phrase that if you're for everybody, then you're for nobody. Mm -hmm. And, but I, but I think what you said earlier too, Trina, about the shame that you felt and the guilt that you had around your story, you know, that's another thing that we, that will hold us back. And that's also very normal and very understandable, but I I'm reminded of something, a colleague of mine, her name is Angelique Binet. And she, she, I overheard her say this the other day. She said, as women leaders, we're not allowed to keep our secrets to ourselves. Our mm. mission has to be stronger than our fear. Mm. Mm. I know, like mic drop. Yes. I thought, oh my gosh, she's right. You know, as we, as you and I were talking about earlier, like we need more women's voices. We certainly need more women of color's voices. And so, and, and we don't serve that, that mission if we're keeping our stories to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's funny you say that, but my, my coach, Lisa Nichols, she says the same thing. She said, your story is not for you. It's for other mm. people. Mm. I was like, wow. Was, she was like, so stop keeping that in and stop 
you know, being ashamed because everything you went through was not for you. It's for you to tell someone else so that that can help someone else. That's a really powerful reframe, isn't it? Because, because mm-hmm. otherwise you might think like, oh, like, like your de- probably your default mode of thinking. Mine certainly is like, well, my life is my life and these things are for me to learn from. And so to turn that on its head and say, no, this, the purpose of that wasn't even for you. It's for others is so different and so powerful. It is. It really is. And I think it's something that we as women, I think we, we don't see it that way because I think us as women, we automatically just assume the burden. We're Mm. the nurturers, we're the caregivers. And when things don't go as planned or we make a mistake or poor choice or whatever, I think we beat ourselves up possibly harder than what a man does. And, uh-huh. and I think that really impacts how we move forward. Yeah. I'm reminded of, um, I have a friend who told me she has, a, her husband bought her a mug and it said, um, may you have the confidence of a mediocre white man. And it just <laughs> makes me laugh because so many studies have shown that um, men, I, I would argue probably white men in particular, have a tendency to just be a lot e- more easy on themselves mm-hmm. and give themselves, I don't know if they would call it this, but give themselves grace and just like, if they stumble, they get right back up and it's not a big deal. And I know from my experiences of, gosh, if I make a mistake, I will belabor that thing to death mm-hmm. and I will beat myself up and I'll try to make amends like crazy. And I just, I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And kind of, I, maybe, I don't know if I would call it like developing a thicker skin exactly, but I've certainly needed to become very aware of my own um, people pleasing and approval seeking and uh, need tendencies or, or the fact that I like can't bear to disappoint others. Like I really have to spend a lot of time with myself kind of working through those because they every single time are a barrier to me being more bold, more outgoing, uh, to say things that are more enticing. And so I think we we do need to be good stewards of ourselves when we notice those kind of limiting habits come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love what you're saying, how you said you had to work through those things yourself. And it is, it's, it's a work. You have to work on it. And as well, the mental aspect of your life, the physical, because mm. so many times we just, we just don't take care of ourselves. We're so busy doing and living life and making sure things are happening that we forget that our mental health is first and foremost, our physical, our spiritual. And then, like you said, just not being hard on yourself. And I'm one of those people as well. If I make a mistake, I'm, I'm like the first person to like, give myself the, the ax is like sending myself to, the- <laughs> yes. like, Oh my God, how could you do that? That was, you yeah. know, that was horrible of you. But we do, we need to show ourselves grace because we're human. Mm. And, you yeah. know, we make mistakes. That's what we do. And, and we're going to continue to do that until the day we die. So it's, you know, it's no bad thing to beat yourself up. You know, it's not good to do that, but you have to learn from those mistakes. Right. Yeah. There's got to be like a middle ground between falling apart with guilt and anguish when you make a mistake and 
ignoring your mistakes, right? Like there's a middle point where you can, you can learn and take action to improve over time without getting totally being totally overtaken by how bad you feel for making a very human mistake. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, Eva. I mean, we could go through this forever, but I want to <laughs> get into the question portion of uh, the interview. Are you ready for those? Yes. Okay. So here we go. Who or what motivates you? Uh, I am very motivated by feelings. So I'm motivated by what it feels like to say something that I'm proud of saying. And I'm motivated by relationships, what it feels like to help my clients deliver their impact, to have this trust and rapport with them. And I'm also very motivated by the women leaders I see out in the world. I mean, Michelle Obama comes to mind, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez comes to mind, but women who are really maybe haven't had the choice, you know, they've been put in the spotlight, not necessarily sought out the spotlight. And I am just, I'm just so in awe of the, the way they hold their head, heads high and they keep their back straight and they keep doing the good work despite a lot of people not approving of them. Mm, so good. What demotivates you? Uh, anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time. Yeah. You know, when I uh, started my business, I've, and, and I've thought of this m- many times since that, like, I can't imagine a more uh, deep trip into my own psyche, mm. you know, like, and, and maybe you just, I, I'd be curious to hear how this was for you because you were in the Navy for a long time, which from my understanding is very, very structured and mm-hmm. there's a very clear hierarchy. And it's not like that when you work for yourself, you have to, you're wearing all the hats, you're making all the decisions. There's nobody to like check your work. And that can really make my anxiety spiral and spiral. And I find myself getting in analysis paralysis, or I just I like, like we were saying just a minute ago, I I think too much about mistakes that I've made and it keeps me from moving forward. So learning to manage the anxiety and, and be just really compassionate with myself when I feel anxious, that's an ongoing, an ongoing journey. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'm so like you, I get caught in the analysis paralysis and I spent three decades in the military and it is, it's very structured, but I was an officer, so I had to learn how to make those decisions and do those uh-huh. things. So I ended up becoming extra hard on myself, but I found that when I got my business, like you were saying, I ended up getting in, you know, paralysis of, okay, let me make sure all the, you know, I's are dotted, T's across, this, this, yep. this, and this, and this. And then finally I had to realize, I said, you know what? I've been doing this this analysis paralysis and I'm not doing anything. Mm. I'm busy being busy. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just doing the thing. And I had to really talk to myself and say, okay, you need to just do it. Get out there and do it. Teach the class, mm-hmm. do the training. If it's not perfect, so what? You perfect it the next time. This is how you do it. Instead of sitting and making sure, okay, everything is perfectly outlined and everything right. structured. And just do it. And that was very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. 
very difficult. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. Mm. Okay. Um, When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? I guess I'm going to tie it back to that comment from my neighbor. My poor neighbor has no idea how often he comes up in my conversations. You know, that comment he made that I feel like a girl, it really hurt. And I remember it to this day. And it took a long time for me to understand why it hurt and why it had such resonance. But that story now is so inspiring to me because it's so relatable. Everybody has a story and a memory like that. And all of us have to learn to keep taking action anyway, and to not let that limiting experience define us and block us from having our impact. Mm -hmm. What is your fear? Mm. How long do you have, Trina? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I have fears come up in all different kinds of disguises often. But I would say one that I have continually struggled with is is the fear of of disappointing people. Mm. I really, I really get that one really comes up a lot. I mean, and I find I think it's tied up with having habits of being an approval seeker and a people pleaser. And I'm the oldest child and I was a straight A student. And I think some there are some habits there that aren't don't always serve me, but I find that when I, when I have these perfectionist tendencies come up, it's because I really don't want to disappoint my clients. I don't want to disappoint my parents. I don't want to disappoint the stranger that I cross on the street. I mean, I really comes up quite often. And so, like you just said, I have to do a lot of self-talk through that fear. Mm. Wow. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Hmm. Yeah, a very simple example. And for anyone who's early on in their business, who's listening, um, maybe this will, this will resonate with you, but it took me a really long time to build an email list for my business. And I wish that I'd done that sooner because I was making a lot of connections in the early days, but I didn't have the habit in place to add those to an email list and to keep in touch with them regularly. And I, I regret that I, that I didn't uh, make that a priority sooner. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Mm. I don't think there is because, you know, everything that I've done Maybe it wasn't always awesome, but it always taught me something that is valuable. And so I can't think of a time when I would redo anything because in that way, because I learned. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is your definition of success? Mm, This is such a juicy question. And I think it's like my definition of success sometimes seems like a moving target. (laughs) You know, as I evolve and learn new things, I, it just takes on different meanings, but, um, it's a, my definition of success is a sense of, of groundedness in myself and in the actions that I take every day and a lot of love 
in my environment in terms of relationships and love for the work that I'm doing and a lot of ease, um, ease around money so that I feel always feel like I can be generous with others and ease in my relationships. So I always feel like I have good boundaries and I am comfortable with what's being expected of me and what I'm expecting of others. Mm. How do you recharge? I read a lot of novels. Mm. I love reading novels. I especially enjoy reading fantasy and romance novels. And so almost every weekend and often in the evenings, that's what I'm doing to just enjoy a different kind of stimulation than what I get throughout the day. Okay. What are you awesome at? I'm awesome at making friends. Okay. I I love making friends. I love meeting new people. I love making connections. I love introducing new people. Uh, Relationships are one of my favorite, favorite things. What legacy do you want to leave? Hmm. That's a really good question, Trina. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. And so I don't have a a very fast answer, but it's something around, you know, legacy is often like the first word that comes to mind is impact. Mm -hmm. And so certainly impact on people, you know, being remembered for having a positive influence on people, but I'd also love to have a greater impact even than that to be really remembered for for changing something, for enabling people to, to do what they want to do. So I'm not totally sure how to articulate it, but it's something about certainly impacting women to reach new levels of power. Mm, okay. Give the listeners one motivational takeaway. Okay. So I would say that it is to trust yourself, which I will acknowledge I don't always find very easy, but there have been so many times where I have been just pulled in a direction to do something in my business or in my life and I resist or I kind of tell myself it's a stupid idea or I ignore it. But when I finally embrace it, it just feels so aligned. And I realized, man, I could have, if I had trusted myself and just listened to my intuition, I could have had this feeling even sooner. And so I would encourage listeners to trust their own opinions, their own inner voice. I mean, gosh, we're bombarded with like advice every time we look at the internet. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so important to hone our own self-trust. And even if, even if an Instagram quote tile says, whatever, (laughs) doesn't mean that it's true for you and you know, what's true for you. Mm, I love that. Tell the listeners how they can connect with you, if they want to become a client, if you have anything coming out that you want to share, uh, the whole nine yards. Well, I'm so glad you asked. So there's two ways I would love to connect with folks who hear this show. So one of them is I do have a free email course called the five pillars of magnetic thought leadership content. And it's intended to guide women entrepreneurs like you and I, women leaders, to learn how to publish those bold opinions and insights and expertise, the kind that get you noticed and hired that you and I have been talking about today. So folks can find that by going to fivemagneticpillars.com. And that's the number five and the rest is spelled out. 
And that's a great way to connect with me. I would love to hear from you there. And the second thing I would say is to find me on LinkedIn. There's nobody else on LinkedIn with the exact spelling of my name. So I'm the only one you're going to find there. And as I've said a few times, I do love meeting new people. So if you connect with me there, send me a note and tell me you heard of me on Trina Talk, and I would just love to get to know you. Wow. Well, I'm pretty sure the listeners are going to love your uh, offer that you're the five magnetic pillars of thought leadership. That sounds just amazing. And I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy day to spend this time with me. Well, Trina, it's been just lovely. I'm so glad that we got to talk. If you like Trina Talk Podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.